Hello and welcome my partners in crime and I always say that in the nicest possible way and congratulations to Leanne Bailey, I must say that before I start, uh, star of the month. Um, star of the month stuff is coming up soon so I'll show you some more stuff on that if you're a member so thank you very much and congratulations before we go on any further um, to this case. Now this case is a nanny killer. Now this case is a strange case, right? it's a disturbing case without a doubt. Uh, it's about a French girl, and actually there were two French nationals that are the perpetrators of this crime, but they lived in London, in Wimbledon. And so this crime, if this crime is not for you, and I've heard a lot of people have already said on some of their comments, oh, I think I might give this one a miss. Um, yeah, it's a bit strange, without a doubt. It's, it's not only strange, it's a quite disturbing case. So anyway, this is the nanny killer. So, this girl very naive and vulnerable girl. She was brought up in France. She was a lovely young girl. She was a horse rider. She was wanted to learn English and she thought the best way to learn English is to come over and work in London, um, you know, live in the community, pick up English, you know, more easily. And um, she found an ad from these two French nationals that also was residing in um, London, in Wimbledon. They had about a £900,000 house, it all looked great, lovely, and she thought, that's great, you know, not only do they speak French, but they also speak English, I can communicate, and this is going to be a great experience for me. How wrong was this girl? It's, it was terrible. Anyway, so Sophie Lynette, her name was, uh, as I said, she was uh, a French national, working here as a nanny, and this is... Um, a September 2017 case, so it's not that old, okay, it's not old at all. So I know her family wants to get this story out there, you know, but we want to remember Sophie as the lovely girl she was. Throughout this story, uh, or this case, the perpetrators have tried to portray her as something she was not, and that because, really, one, because one of them is so delusional, um, that she had to have someone to blame and unfortunately this very vulnerable girl who didn't speak well in good English who couldn't get herself out of the situation ended up dying because of someone's delusions and then someone else who then she passed on them delusions made it so real that they believed it so in no way um, in this case is Sophie at all responsible for anything? It was all just delusions from the perpetrators, really. So she thought she'd found this perfect family and she moved, you know, from France as this all pair or this nanny, however you want to call her. She was a bright and bubbly 20 year old, actually, really, really lovely girl, lovely nature girl, a calm girl, um, not worldly at all. As I've said, she was quite naive. And that's a lovely thing to be, isn't it? She came from a good family and they thought it was a great idea that when she expressed her wish to, to learn English, to come over to England and do it that way. It's not very far from France. We can go to a day trip to France here, you know, uh, on the Euro, you know, through the Euro Tunnel in literally a couple of hours. So France is not far away. So the family were quite happy for her to come and everything and everything seemed hunky-dory and off she then went. Now, as usual, these names. So her, the perpetrator's names were Sophie Kudra, 
and her partner was Umiso Midderin, I think. I think. Anyway, they're killers and they're in prison and you I'll put the names up and you can read them for yourself. Now listen, they did, they seemed like this loving family, they had this beautiful home in a really good part of Wimbledon in London. It was worth about £900,000. Uh, you know, it's quite an upmarket suburb actually really where they lived. I think she was um, a designer or clothes designer or something, I don't know what he was. But she was the one I think who had the money and the connections and stuff. But she was also the one that had these delusions. She had a personality disorder or something she had. Um, and she was so delusional. Now she used to mix a little bit, I suppose, with the rich and famous. And so she came across as a person, this Sabrina, we'll call her, as this well-to-do, intelligent, well-put-together, you know, could handle the situation, any situation. She had two children and one was by him, I think, and then one was by somebody else. And we'll talk about the other person in a minute because this is what this delusions are all about. And so, you know, when you're talking about an all pair coming, you know, you're, you're paying good money for an all pair or a nanny. They usually get room and board and they look after the kids and do a little bit of housework, different things like that. This is what Sophie expected to come to. This well-rounded, happy, French nationals who lived in a well-to-do part of London, it all just seemed great, didn't it? And I think within the first few days, you see, this started to change straight away. So within in a few days, this Sabrina starts now to pick on Sophie, makes her work 80 hours a week, talking down to her, being really, really nasty to her. She's got two children. Just terrible to think of these two children in this house, actually, at this point. She did have. Then Sophie, all of a sudden, this, this new life within days was just terrible. And then because they're controlling her money, aren't they? They took her passport off her, they're controlling her money, her phone calls, everything now is changing for Sophie. She's in this position now where she's come to a country she doesn't know. She's this very young, naive, innocent 20-year-old. She's living in a home now with really this woman and this man that for some reason, and we'll come to that in a minute, dislike her, believe she's something she's not because of these delusions that this Sabrina has. So this is now it gets bad. So now they start to starve her. They start to hit her, abuse her verbally, call her a liar. Then they start saying, um, well she, she was put then in this tiny dark room. So the good bedroom was gone. Now she's in this tiny dark room. So now they're controlling her. Now they're torturing her in a way that's about to get really bad. So it turns out that what this whole thing is about and why this girl died is because Sabrina's delusions of this ex-boyfriend 
the father of her first child. So, it's so bizarre, this case. It's really so bizarre. It's really more bizarre because the husband continued on with it, but we'll go into that in a little while. So, the pair were driven by an obsession that um, Sophia's ex-boyfriend from um, Boyzone, I don't know if you know the band Boyzone, with Roland Keating and all that in. Now, he was a founding member and his name is Mark Walton. Now, she had a relationship with him in, I think, 2013 time she was with him. And she had a child with him. Now, her obsession with him, then as Sophie is coming to be the nanny, this delusion she was having were that Sophie was being planted there by him, by Mark, to spy on her. But not only to spy, <laughs> to use, drug them, so they can, so he can rape the husband. So then he can rape her. Also, <laughs> this woman, who's absolutely mad, really, to tell you the truth, and he can't be much better to have believed all this. But you are talking about this woman who was the one with the fame, or so she thought, the well-known people she knew, and her husband seemed to believe everything she said, no matter how ridiculous it sounded, especially when they were the ones that wanted a nanny. They wanted her to come to their home. They chose her, but when she got there, in Sabrina's mind, she was planted. She was planted there by this Mark Walton to do all this stuff. And the torture and, the, and the, <laughs> everything else that went along with Sophie even before she was murdered was about making her admit that she was colluding with this Mark Walton, and she was having an affair with Mark Walton, even though Sophie had never met this man in her life. She had never been in a position to have met this man, because he actually lived in America, and it ain't like boys' own band members are walking around the streets and you can just, you know, have an affair with them or he's gonna come up to you and say, get a job, go and work in that house, so I can rape and do things to these. And then she started, that's why they started then, to terrorise and torture Sophie into admitting her part in this scheme. Well, of course, Sophie couldn't admit to anything because Sophie had actually not done anything. She actually didn't know what they was talking about. Then they started the torturing getting worse because now this girl is so frail um, you know, she's been starved. She's now been terrorised. She's been filmed for eight to nine hours at a time. She's been waterboarded. Waterboarded to tell the truth. Tell the truth. Waterboarding. I mean, my God. Um, it was just terrible what they did to the girl. And there are some photos, and as we go through, you can see the deterioration of the girl. She didn't work for her for very long at all. But the, this delusions of this Sabrina 
were so bad that they was passed on then to him. So now they're both torturing her. They're both interrogating her. They're both threatening her. They're threatening to rape her. They're threatening to kill her. You know, and in the end they did. In the end that's exactly what they did. Because how could this girl tell them anything? So in the end, I think at the end of this filming that she did, this eight or nine hour filming of interrogation by these two where she was screaming at her and hitting her and, and walked in, it's all filmed. And she's saying to her, we're going to take you to the police because we know what you're doing. Um, you know, uh, it, it's so shocking. It's just such a strange case, this one, to, to get your head around it of what they did to this young girl. One, you could say that Sabrina had some form of mental illness, okay? And, not, and I've said before, not that that's an excuse for murder at all. It's not. But the, the husband didn't, did he? Or the boyfriend. He didn't have anything. But she was so um, fixated on this that she was, she made it sound so real that he believed it enough to murder someone for it, enough to torture for a few weeks. A girl that you've hired to be an au pair, you've tortured and murdered this girl while your two children are in your home. You've lied to people, both of you, about this girl. I think there's a message from one of Sabrina's friends asking, could she ask the au pair Sophie does she know anyone else? Because they're looking for an au pair, a nanny. Which is, I know people with au pairs and they have a great life. You know, everybody's happy. Now she texts back to this girl and I'll see if I can find her the texting. No, that didn't work out. She's gone. Now at that point, this girl wasn't dead. This girl was being tortured in his home. But no one knew. So what's happened was, this mother of two, this Sabrina, convinced her lover, right, to do it. Now, they've, as I said, they've waterboarded her, haven't they? They've locked her in this room, they've beat her, they've threatened to rape her, they've starved her now for two weeks. She's now in the bath and they're beating her and beating her and beating her and they think that's where actually that she was murdered in that bath. Um, that's where it happened, that's what they assume happened to her because there wasn't a lot left of this girl to find anything out but what we do know is after that this pair decided then they've done such a great job they're ecstatic that they've done this he believes that he's killed this girl <laughs> because she was a spy spying on them from this Mark Walton she was you know going to rape him or whatever she was going to do, take his semen and all this sort of stuff. It was just madness. And I think they also said, well, Mark Walton wanted them drugs so he could come in and rape the children. I mean, this is how ridiculous this case gets. This girl is anyway murdered in this bath and they're ecstatic about it and they're ecstatic about all they've done. They've even got video evidence of it. And then they decide to have sex together right next to the dead body. So that's really what happened 
to Sophie while she was alive and that was her death. But then you think, what they're going to do of a body in an upmarket suburb of um, <laughs> London. So he decides, because it's his, she's tasked him with getting rid of the body. You're going to have to get rid of that body because, it's, you know, you help do it. You get rid of it because she's so great. Now she's feeling great about her thing. She just goes up and gets things ready and sorts things out. He has to get rid of the body. So what he does is he takes the body downstairs into the back garden. He decides to build a bonfire and then sets up the barbecue next to the bonfire and sets her alight. He sets her alight and the stench coming off the body, because the body, people say that when you have a dead body burn, especially like that, it does smell a little bit like a pig, but it smells a little bit like off pig or off meat. So the stench coming from this bonfire, the neighbours then were worried about what was going on. They've rung the police. The police have then turned up at the home, knocked on the door. Of course, he's let them in. There is having a, just a little bonfire in the garden, a little barbecue, trying to disguise the smell with the barbecue food. This fire is so intense and the fire brigade start looking and knew, knew there was something wrong. Then they saw some carcass or something on there. He says it's a sheep. That's the sheep. There's a whole sheep on there. They knew it wasn't a sheep. They found burnt glasses. Um, her glasses was all sort of melted. And I think they found a nose or something of hers left in that fire. They were both arrested at that point and taken and charged with the murder of Sophie. It's a, this case is just so bad, but it's a quick case. But it's, it's about what comes after, I think, with this case, because you, know, you have this Mark Walton now that has this child with this Sabrina, and he says about her, and so does some ex-boyfriends say about her, that she was, he was in love with her at one point, they had a child together, and he says that. But he said then she'd just change and turn she was so strange in that way. She was probably quite unwell in some way. But then you think about why didn't then the other perpetrator in this crime do something? If you have someone with mental health and they are coming out with such ridiculous stuff, surely that you wouldn't go along with it, no matter what this girl said or did. But he did. Now she tried well, when they was arrested, they tried to blame each other. She first said, actually, um, oh, no, she's left and gone off with a boyfriend. Um, he tried to deny, deny, deny. Before everything come back, you know, from the autopsy, what was left of this poor girl's body to prove that it was human remains there, um, then they both started saying, no, it was the other one. You know, I didn't do it, he did it, or she did it. They couldn't agree. And I think probably thought that her mental health would get her off and... You know, and then sometimes it's not going to get you off. It may get you a different sentence, you know, maybe locked up for a long time. But in this case, the judge weren't having none of it because he knew, I think. He knew what she had done and she had done a lot of things in the process. I think with Mark Walton, I think she had made 400 or 300, no, not 300, 30 complaints against him, I think. And some of them about him being a paedophile. That uh, was all untrue. This girl was obsessed with Mark Walton she was obsessed with him because he didn't want her anymore. And so th this whole delusion or illusion was about him. It had nothing to do with Sophie. Sophie died. 
because of her infatuation with Mark Walton. And it went so far that she then like programmed, I suppose, someone else like that. She was so manipulative in her way of doing it that they both tortured and killed a 20-year-old au pair from France and tried to get rid of the body. Now, thank God, really, when you think about it, that people were ringing the police to say about this fire, the stench coming from it, or else this girl in this body may never have been found because they'd already set their plan in place. They'd already said that she had left while she was being tortured in that home. It was planned, this. So that takes out of the way then, I suppose, the mental health part of it, doesn't it? Because if you are lying already, you actually know you're doing wrong, don't you? So if you're doing, you know what you're doing is wrong, then you must have the capacity because that's the only reason and the only way you can use a defence of mental health is if you lack capacity to understand right from wrong. She knew right from wrong and that's why the judge didn't accept her plea for mental health or diminished responsibility under that because she knew by her actions before what she had done. So these murderers do try to get away with it and when they're caught they try to use things like mental health and other things. Now I'm not saying she didn't have mental health, it's clear she had something. I think she just had an obsession with this man that literally she couldn't stop. She wanted everything that she had missed in this lifestyle and she um, started then to believe things and encourage others to believe it to where it killed a young girl, an innocent young girl. I think they then got um, a very long time in prison. So I think they got 30 years, or just sort of, we were ordered to spend at least 30 years in prison. They both deserved it, and that's the reason why she, she got that time. He got it because he didn't claim there was anything. He actually said he didn't do it, but he did do it. It all came out in the end that he did do it, but she did try to say that, you know, her mental health and stuff. Yes, she did, as, as I said before, but when you have planned a murder, and this girl was tortured and um, interrogated and <laughs> starved for 12 days, 12 days, that's a lot, isn't it? When you think that, you know, even if you're having an episode, that he would have noticed something, or she would have come out of that a little bit, 12 days on this obsessive behaviour over a man that no longer was with her. She just loved this lifestyle, this was really all it was about. And I think all these phone calls to police to try and get him arrested for this, that and the other, and including paedophilia, as I've said, was all about this obsession with him. This obsession then led to these delusions, which led to Sophie then, which they invited into their home, and then they murdered her over a 12-day period of torture and murder. 30 years, is it enough? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. What are they going to do when they come out? 30 years. What they did to that poor girl. Now her father, you know, they found a note actually in, um, in her room when they searched the home and everything where she was staying and stuff. She had no money, you see. 
She knew no one. She was trapped. They took her phone. They took everything from her. And there was a little note. And it said, why me? I need help to stop them. That's all she wrote. The fathers and the mother are devastated, this girl. He said they took his child. He, he knew, he heard it in court, what they did to this child of his. This lovely young girl with a whole life ahead of her. This is what these two people did because of her infatuation with somebody else that she could no longer have. And it started these delusions and then he just went along with it. And I think the judge said about that, it's called something, I can't remember what it's called at the moment, but um, he said it's where you have a delusion and you pass it on to somebody else. I think Emma Kennedy actually, is, um, I think she wrote a little bit something about this case. And hello Emma, how are you? And I do love your YouTube channel as well. Um, and I think she did. I think she wrote um, a little bit about their personalities and about what happened here in a lot more detail than I've gone into in this. I don't know if she's done this case, but I know she wrote or she'd done some article on it. So have a look at that. Uh, also have a look at... Um, Emma's, uh, you know, her, her um, um, YouTube is very, very good. We sort of tell the same stories, we just tell it in a different way. But it's lovely to see some other professional, isn't it, coming on and doing um, these crimes and giving you a different look to it. So good for her. So thumbs up for Emma. So with this case, you know, it's a difficult one really because it's a twist and turns. And in law, I suppose when we look at it from a legal point of view with this case, it really comes down to the definition, doesn't it, of a defence. Because really, if you've heard this case and we hear now, don't we, and we've spoke about the delusions and all this stuff, this mental health, you would have assumed, and, and I, I would have thought her that her um, defence team would have assumed that she would have then put up a defence of, of, you know, diminished responsibility or something like that due to her... Um, mental health but when you then look further into that into mental health there's reasons why you can't always use that as a defense and that is because it was over a long period of time and it was sort of planned you know she had lied to people she had sent a text didn't she to someone to say that she had already left she had gone when the police knocked at the door and searched the house and you know because of the smell of the stench coming from the fire she had lied she had said that Sophie had gone off with a boyfriend a few weeks ago you see if you've got mental health issues where you don't believe what you've done is wrong you don't lie and so this case is really not only just about the case like that, it's about the law and the defences and how people try to, and there's others, another case coming up in a minute, where these sort of things also, um, people think they know the law in enough way to get off with it, but they don't. They just don't. And this is how these people have got 30 years. He was always going to get a long time, the partner always because of his actions and he had no defense at all 
apart from using her Passover or, you know, of these delusions and so believed it was to be true. But these delusions that this girl was having were absolutely madness, madness that no one would have believed. Most people have said, you need help, we're going to take you and get you some help, we're going to section you. He didn't do it. He went along with it. They murdered her after 12 days of torture, had sex by her body when she laid there dying, and she was dead, dead then. Then he took her body down and put her on a bonfire to set her alight and hide the evidence. And then she's lied. And so this is the case of the nanny killers. Controversial, yes, in its way of it. But that's how quick it is and how sometimes when we have young old pairs come over and stuff, always have contact with them. They should always never be left. These people were trusting. They trusted these people because they were French nationals. Oh, she, they speak French as well, she'd be fine. They live in a 900,000 pound house, she'd be fine. They live in a nice suburb of London, she'd be fine. She wasn't fine. And I think if this case tells you anything, anybody here like this can be a killer. Anybody. And anybody can have enough mental health that can make them become a killer, whether you use it as a defence or not. So this has been the nanny killer, you know what to do. Thumbs up if you've liked it, if you found it interesting. You can subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I'm going to have to say it anyway. I think it was 9,984 when I last looked. Nearly at 10, nearly at 10. Very excited, so let's keep it going. You know, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. You can also hear this case soon on Instagram, on the podcast. You know, let's have a chat about murder. So, to all my partners in crime, everywhere, members or not, thank you for taking us nearly to 10,000. We so appreciate it. And we appreciate everything you do. And actually, a little bit of thinkers tomorrow, um, I'm going to do a few readout of your comments and stuff and go through them. So, until the next time, bye-bye.